Oh yeah, yes, yes, oh. yes. You had good seats for that too. Oh shit, yeah. Where were yeah. row 11? 11 rows from the floor. Deadly. Yeah, I've been to been to a bunch of stand-ups now, and you know, usually they run the 45 minutes hour, you know. He went for yeah. an hour and 45. Wow, eh? I think he was testing out. He was he was he had a lot of runway with a lot of stuff. I think he did a lot of improv. I think he was trying some new shit out, but oh, yeah. man. I was one gummy away from a fucking heart attack. <laughs> I was fucking <laughs> stitches, man. <laughs> what do you, oh, now, I guess that answers my question. What what do you think of stand-up comedy in a big arena? Because I saw Jim Gaffigan yeah. at uh, Canadian Tire Center, and it was good. He was funny, but I don't know. There's something about being super close in a club and watching stand-up, and it's a whole different experience in an arena. There's no intimacy in the big, sh- big show, no. is there? No, no. Yeah. But and still, they, they try to, shit, yeah. But the, I and you're right. I think the intimacy of being in that club setting would be way better. That's like watching yeah. going to like a little theater and watching, you know, a show. There, yeah, watching in an arena. There's things that yeah. are meant to be watched in an arena. He's too big now, and he's. I mean, he's massive. So yeah. that's all he does now is big, big stadiums and shit. So that's exactly it. Yeah. Anyway, fuck. I'll take a night out, man. I'd go watch fucking paint dry if it was fucking. Funny. <laughs> I did once. A feller opened up for Kiss. <laughs> he was a yes. painter. He, he was deadly. The last he got four. Up and, yeah. Yep. He uh, he went up and he drew or he painted uh, Gord Downey. It was awesome, but it was like, okay, he was this going on for quite a while. <laughs> you know, Jared, that same fella on that tour when he was here in Columbus, he painted. Uh, I think it was uh, it was Woody Hayes, the the classic Ohio State Buckeyes coach. Oh right, yeah, local celebs, fucking Nick Feline. Yeah, <laughs> fun happy time. Jody yes. Shelley's nose. Yeah, Sir Gabe Cross. <laughs> yeah, fucking uh, slow Veen. Yeah, fuck Channon going off in, in the arena. Oh, you honey, I almost spit my beer at them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Jer, I w- I checked out the uh the local comedy club, the Columbus Funny Bone oh. just recently. Yeah. And the calendar is terrible. There's oh, nobody no. there's nobody coming. It's like Is that the place you saw Brian Callen? Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, I've seen Brian man. Callen there. I saw Ron White there before really? he was um blue <laughs> well, collar. Kevin Pollack, who was he's actually funny. Kevin His- Pollack. Incredible. He, he was so incredible good. Incredible stand up. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Really, yeah. Jim Norton. Saw Jim Norton. Oh, there. Jim Norton's deadly. No, oh, that was really good. He's rotten. That was, he was, oh my God. Yeah. I don't want to get any further into that brain that I've already Not paid. an all ages show. <laughs> no, not at all. But it was, it was so good. Mm. Um, speaking of all ages, Jerry, what was the audience like when you went to see Violent Night this weekend? Was there a lot of kids there or just a lot of. There's, well, me and Jay went and yep. there were six other people there. <laughs> And, and I'd say the average age, you know, I wasn't a kid. There was probably one, one kid, maybe 15, but right. I'd say average, average age was, was twenties, 20 ish. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Oh, but it was desolate. Yeah. Well, it was, I mean, it was a Sunday afternoon for God's sake. So. Yeah. Well, we had, and, uh, it was just the three of us. We had a private screening. That's wicked. Three of us. <laughs> and we had, and we could laugh and fucking, we laughed loud. We could talk. Yeah. You know, um, yeah, all that's the, the best thing you, you shouldn't chat do. it up. Yeah, yeah, right. And uh, I laughed a lot. I laughed out oh, loud a lot, <laughs> nonstop. Like 
stuff you really shouldn't laugh at, but no. I was dying <laughs> no. now. This, this is no. fucking yeah. great. I yeah. actually think I said that at one point. This is fucking awesome. <laughs> and then I realized my the young fella and uh, you know and grandpa were sitting right. I didn't yeah. care. It was great. No. no, I mean it's objectively not a good movie, but no. it is a fun time. <laughs> it is two hours of ent- pure entertainment for start yeah. to finish. Yeah, right from the first burp to <laughs> fucking the last post credit scene. So there you go. Fight at night. Die Hard meets Home Alone. And I'll be actually bringing up that particular connection during our discussion tonight. It's nice. How's that for a segue, Jer? (laughs) Woo! Oh, fuck, we're getting good at this shit. Yes, man. It's almost like we know what we're doing. Yeah. Half yeah. The time. I know. Mm. That intro music is Rub Your Bird Funk, though. Uh, I did that myself. <laughs> did you? Did you uh, see? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. DIY rubbing the bird. Yeah. <laughs> oh, fuck. Now a picture of one hand playing the keyboard. And, uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> That's some foul uh, funk. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, welcome to the Video Night Podcast, the podcast about the movies you love from the VHS era and beyond. My name is Jerry. Oh, there's no Robin. <laughs> Everyone's waiting for Robin. <laughs> and I'm Blake. Yay. Robbie. Yes, man. Just three of us right now. Robin might join later on. We'll see. Might He might pull a Robin and hop on midway through. Uh, Kev is at his mom's eating supper. <laughs> So he couldn't go. And there's supposed to be like 25 centimeters of snow in the forecast. So Kev is just shitting bricks. That's gross. Yeah, not not cool. Speaking of uh, snow, Christmas, this is the first annual Video Night Podcast Christmas Spectacular. Woo! I'm not drinking eggnog. I'm actually drinking a dark roast black from Tim's. What do you got going, guys? Stella Artois. Mm. Now I have bourbon. Oh, ho, yeah. Ho, ho. <laughs> you had four bottles lined up. Which one did you pick? <laughs> uh, actually, the Buffalo Trace, I had oh. a bottle nearly kilt, and yeah. I am killing it. Nice. Buffalo Trace, was that like the fucking Nene Cherry or a... Fucking Buffalo Stance. Yes. You know what I, I mean. I got a pair of... I got a pair of jeans on my head, Rob, and I'm drinking <laughs> bourbon. No money man can win my love. Oh, <laughs> fucking no chance. Just blew up my mic, I'm sure. <laughs> Holy fuck. Yeah, apparently this is La Bière Fine Deluxe. It's like someone fucking went ling on this. La Bière Fine Deluxe. <laughs> Over 600 years of Belgian brewing expertise brought to life in a beautiful balanced lager. Stella Artois. That's some alliteration going on there. Merry fucking Christmas, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Cheers. Let's get into it. Yes. What we're doing. So uh, for our first Christmas spectacular, we figured we'd uh, literally kick it off with a bang. And we're going to do a deep dive on a Christmas movie. Isn't it? It Agreed? It is. 
It is. It is. I, it is. It I waffled. So we're doing Die Hard. Of course, we're going to do Die Hard. And as long as I think the Internet's been out uh, and up and running, people have debated whether Die Hard is a Christmas movie or not. And to be quite honest, I've always kind of been on the fence because I see both sides uh, of the argument. So so let me play devil's advocate. Let me play. Uh, let me play. Let me say Die Hard is not a Christmas movie. Convince me, Rob. Where do I start? <laughs> it's fucking set at Christmas Eve. That's that's I guess that's the biggest plus. <laughs> that's right. a pretty big plus. That's a pretty big Although, plus. Oh, released in July, one could say from a marketing campaign, and I can't remember, but they could have marketed this as Christmas in July. Ah. Ah. So that's but, one of the biggest strikes against it. It wasn't released at Christmas, but that is true. That is a strike. So I think, you know, if you go with the plus, you gotta go with the minus, you gotta go with the you gotta go with the hits and you gotta the highs and lows here. So yeah. released in July. Okay. Based on Christmas Eve, takes place entirely, I believe, on Christmas Eve. Yeah. Doesn't actually hit the clock to midnight to go into Christmas morning. Um although um you know, and there's so many different references and shit. He gets on, you know, the start of the movie, the main character, John McClane, gets on, he's on a plane and yeah. gets off the plane. He's got a giant teddy bear and the Christmas music. And he's going through the airport right at the beginning and he's whistling Christmas music. Right. The Christmas music, Christmas theme, the decorations throughout the entire film. Christmas, 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 Christmas. What else right. do you want for a Christmas movie? Okay. I don't know. So there you go. That's my opening. I'll start that. It's also the, the man struggles against the forces of evil in trust, trying to get to his family to see his children for Christmas. Yeah, that is true. So that's that's an overarching theme, right? As you okay. get into the right. movie, we'll talk about that a little bit later, of the overarching thematic elements of it, which would make it or qualify it as a Christmas movie. But I'll start with, it fucking takes place at Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> that is a big one. That's a big one. Now, the one the, the thing, idea that I always had that that kind of made me, you know, kind of tip on the on the on the fence in the middle there is a Christmas movie typically has a certain uh, theme of Christmas in that there's like a Christmas spirit or a, or a, or a, a stereotypical feeling of Christmas or a, 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 an emotion or something like that, that is kind of resolved at the end of the movie. Like uh Christmas Carol, you know, Scrooge see, you know, after he sees all the ghosts, he sees the light and he eats supper with tiny Tim and, and you know, Merry Christmas, everyone type thing. Uh, you know, Christmas vacation, uh, it's, you know, the, the, the spirit of Christmas at the end, everyone is singing, well, they sing the national anthem, but <laughs> so there's <laughs> there yeah, I, in Die Hard, there's really no Christmas m- message, but you may have just hit on one that I hadn't thought of in that some, a father trying to get home at all costs to see his family for Christmas. So maybe that tips me over to the, yeah, of course it's a Christmas movie side but you know what i mean it doesn't really have that stereotypical christmas message or i'm struggling to find a word to to come up with but for that you know that that thing that 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 christmas cliche almost um 
that is, seems to be in every other Christmas movie. It's the biggest one. You've got an underdog who is not going to stop anything, even outgunned, outmanned, outplanned. He is getting back with his wife and he's going to see his kids. It's all about family. What's Christmas about? About being with your right. family. They're yep. celebrating. Now, Against the backdrop? Absolutely, yep. No offense to everybody who's listening, everybody out there. Yes, uh, keep Christ in Christmas and, and you know all of these things. But overarching, what do we do at Christmas? We get together, we celebrate, we get together with family. It's all, that's essentially the number one element. And I think, Blake, you, you bang on. The other overarching yep. part of this, the plot, is what are the terrorists doing? They're stealing. It's money. It's greed. In the 20th century, Christmas has turned into nothing short of a fucking profiteering, um, capitalistic marketing nightmare for families, parents, kids, etc. It's gone past the family, but if you put the two together, family and greed, what do you have? You got yourself a plot. Uh. <laughs> Hans Gruber is Scrooge. Hey. Ooh. Bang. Ooh. Boom. <laughs> Drop the mic. I, I really can't go much further into that, though. That's all I got with <laughs> down that, that thread. Uh, and there's deep German ties to Christmas as well. <laughs> there's a bunch of ghosts of Christmas present, but he makes them. John makes the ghosts, you know. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> McClay <laughs> makes Christmas ghosts as he McClay goes. <laughs> right, shit, it's not Miracle on 34th Street. And it's not. Oh, thank yes, God. You, there is a Santa Claus, uh, but. That movie um, sucks. In a traditional sense, people people will say this is not a Christmas movie. In the underlying plot lines, the setting, yeah, the music, the characters, it's Christmas. It's a Christmas yeah. movie. There's tons of Christmas references in here, and yes, it's violent, and yes, it's all that, and yes, you know, whatever. That's the, the the what the you know the detractors would would say. It's a violent movie. It's it doesn't have the spirit of of Christmas. But if you dig deep, like you just did, I think that yeah, definitely the case can be made. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It embraces the holidays because it takes place during the holidays, and a central yep. part of the story, the soundtrack, the noise, the whistle. John McLean kills a guy, puts a Santa hat on him, puts him in a chair, and writes on his shirt and says, ho, 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 now I have a machine now gun. Now I have a machine now gun, have... right? Yes, right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and uh, if I may, the, uh, his feet are kind of hacked up like a Christmas turkey by the glass. And they, <laughs> you know, there's some uh, cranberry, cranberry sauce there, too. <laughs> Me feet are <laughs> turducking. Yeah. <laughs> so what we're going to do, yeah, I, okay, so that's cool. I, I, I think we've well, you, you've you've definitely swayed me over to the the Christmas movie side. It didn't take much, but <laughs> I think I'm there. So what we're going to do is take this movie and do the old deep dive on it, like we did with uh, Sleepaway Camp and Friday Thirteenth Part Six, and go through the scenes and talk about them and uh, and see what we can come up with for for Die Hard. Maybe there's something you've missed and. And maybe we can sway your opinion of of this movie, whether it is a Christmas movie or not. Sound like a plan? It is. I have one more that I was going to throw, but I'm going to wait. Oh, I'm going to wait because when we get into the deep, you're going to start talking about characters and then I'm going to drop one. And we'll qualify it before I say it. When I watched it the other night, I had the aha moment 
Mm-hmm. And then when I went back and I start reading some stuff, you know, online that other sites and other reviewers had written, I'm like, ha ha, I wasn't the only one. All right. Like it. All right. All right. Good. Cool. Okay. Nice. Okay. So as we said, uh, we start off the movie and John McClane is our hero, uh, Bruce Willis, of course, and he is on a plane at landing in Los Angeles. So uh, he has a huge stuffed bear with him. Uh, and he's packing heat as there, as his seatmate sees his, uh, pistol. Uh, and as soon as he enters the terminal, he lights up a dart, which I thought was, uh, yep. Cool. <laughs> he just, shit you very not. 1988. Yes. That yep. is fucking hilarious. Cause in my notes, I'm going to go back to the beginning of my notes. Yeah. And then the first couple notes says released in July, gone on a plane. Steward of Sci Fox Willis blows up dart. I'm gonna take a picture from my phone, uh, from my notes. I'm gonna send it to the group. It's really jarring to see someone light up a cigarette in an airport. I don't know why. Anywhere. Anywhere. Brings you back to it. It was probably five you- years earlier. He would have been smoking on the plane. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Big time. Oh. Yeah, just like airplane when I was watching that. Anyway, yeah, yeah I just sent that picture of my notes to you guys. All right, you see, it says, released in July, got on plane, stewardess Willis blows up dirt. <laughs> <laughs> so that. we flip over to Nakatomi Plaza, where our the main plot of this movie takes place, uh, where there is a company Christmas party happening, and you know it seems like they spared no expense with the violins and all that stuff. Uh, so there's a little bit of a goof here uh, that I noticed. So I, I, I went through and I, I did notice a couple. And as I was watching the movie, I saw a couple of these uh, just small little errors. And I said, there must be more. And yeah, there's lots more. <laughs> this movie is oh. rife with errors. And lots. Goofs. Yeah. So there's one here when um, Takagi, he's the... Uh, I don't know what it is. I can't remember what his head is. Head of the Nakatomi Corp. Yeah, he's like the... Yeah, he's, he's the CEO. The, he's the president yeah. or whatever. Um, yeah. He speaks to his employees at the party and they kind of erupt in a really loud applause. <laughs> and when you look at the employees, none of them are clapping. Yeah. <laughs> it's just this big, this big, nice. big clap and nobody, nobody's clapping. So I noticed that and I went online and sure enough, yeah, people noticed that one too. So some slime ball uh, Harry Ellis is hitting oh. on a woman uh, who we find out is Holly, and, and she is McLean's wife. Uh, ex-wife separated? Not sure. I guess separated. I don't think they're divorced, are they? I got separated, separated. from it. Yeah, that's okay. why just separated because she took yeah. a job in L.A. and he stayed in New York. Yeah, uh, to work as a cop. So. Um, just in this scene, lots of Christmas references, which really backs the stance that this is a Christmas movie. Back at the airport, uh, McLean gets picked up by a limo that was sent by Nakatomi Corp. Um, and it's uh, a guy named Argyle, who's a pretty comic relief character in this movie. Uh, and yep. he plays Christmas in Hollis by Run DMC, yes. which is See, amazing. Yep. <laughs> My Love favorite it. Christmas Love movie. Loved it. Heavy rotation. Yeah, big time. Yeah. So Argyle says he'll wait for McLean in the parking garage and uh, John goes in to look for Holly in the company directory to find that she switched back to her, ma- her maiden name, Gennaro. 
So uh, McLean makes his way up to the 30th floor where the party is noting the security cameras and the security guard picking his nails by the elevators. Um, he gets up to the floor and he meets uh, Joe Takagi at the party. Who's the, he's the president. So he's that's the official title. He's the president of Nakatomi Trading. Um, McLean compliments him on the nice building and he tells McLean that there are several floors under construction, which come into play later. Yes, an interesting uh, love. Another little factual tidbit is Gennaro on her door mm-hmm. and Gennaro on the computer system mm-hmm. spelled differently. They are. Sorry. If I did, <laughs> no, no. Did I drop wow. that too early? Well okay. done. That's a good that guess. Was my okay. next, that was my next goof. Oh, yeah. shit. Okay, it's spelled, no, no, no. Don't. don't. That's fine. Uh, it's spelled with an A in the computer system and an E uh, on a door. Um yes. So McLean, uh, speaking of her door, uh, McLean and Takagi go in through her door and catch Alice doing blow on Holly's desk. <laughs> so, yep. Uh, Merry Christmas. There's some snow. Um, a guy that has his own office. That yeah. Shout out, right. shout out to Bonnie yeah. Bedelia. She's, she was a bit of a rocket. She was a bit of a rocket. But listen, my uh, my connection to Home Alone here is that she is Macaulay Culkin's aunt in real life. Fuck off, really? Really? Absolutely. Bonnie, Bedel- Bonnie Bedelia is uh, Kieran and Macaulay Culkin's aunt. So huh. I guess you could say in Home Alone, it's a good thing that he was stuck home alone and not sent over to the to the relative's house yeah. for the Christmas evening, or he might have ended up uh, right in the middle of all this. Good segue. Good good drop of fucking factual tidbit there, B. Yes, man. Yeah. He, nice. uh, you know? Lucky thing that Kevin did not end up in Nakatomi Plaza. Good thing for Hans Gruber. I think they would uh, end up worse off. But yeah, the little chick from Violent Night. <laughs> oh yeah, so, I gotta yeah. see it. I will. Oh, see it. seriously though, you have to. They actually talk about Die Hard and Home Alone in yeah. Violent Night, which makes it even better. Yeah, two yeah. cultural references, and then to just fucking dropping bombs or is great. Anyway, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> so. Uh, so Holly and John uh, meet up. Uh, so even though they're separated, there seems to be a longing to recon- reconcile between Holly and John. Uh, Holly says that she's missed him. And uh, they immediately, though, begin to argue over Holly using her maiden name. So uh, that, that, you know, that's that stings a little bit. Uh, and then Holly is pulled away to give a speech to the employees. Ding, 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 ding. And we have another. I, I interrupt. This thought with Die Hard is a Christmas movie. John McClane, the central character's wife, name is Holly. He's a little Holly Jolly. Holly Jolly for Christmas. Wow. Oh my God. Never That's, caught that. I, I have never thought of that. <laughs> well done, Rob. Deck the halls with boughs of Holly. Ah. See? <laughs> yeah, so that, that Here we go. Didn't even enter my mind. I no, so I, I read this on another. I, I was reading a review after I watched the movie because I didn't want to read the review because it's been a while since I watched the movie. Mm. And I'm going through. I'm like, his fucking wife's name is Holly. How does this not like? <laughs> holy shit! And then I'm reading somewhere else, and it's like, and don't forget, it's Holly Gennaro. Holly, Holly Christmas. I'm like, yes, yeah. oh, that's on my own. I like it. Awesome. You're doing God's work, Rob. That's what <laughs> this is. And after Christmas in Hollis, yeah. John McLean, Bruce Willis, whistles jingle bells in the elevator on the way to the 30th floor. Oh, he does? Okay, cool. <laughs> does. Yes. I actually yeah. had to kind of rewind it a couple times again. 
Oh yeah, fuck this jingle bells. <laughs> yeah. right. Okay, I'm literally. It's like 11:30 at night. Everybody's in bed. The dog is snoring. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> I owe the joy for being a through for a fucking loop. And anyway, yeah. Uh, uh, so anyway, I had to throw that Holly tidbit out there. Oh, Jeez, of course shit. you did. That's amazing. That's excellent. That's yes. so good. Yeah. So a large courier truck pulls up into the parking garage to ominous music and uh, a Mercedes pulls up front. So we know something's afoot, obviously. And yeah, there is. So the Mercedes guys are Carl, who's kind of the blonde assassin, and Theo, who's a tech nerd. So Carl shoots the security guard at the front desk and they radio to the truck that they're in. And then Carl kills the guard by the elevators. Throws his little puck thing out and like a flashbang. It's kind of cool. Yeah. And and then we see the almighty Alan Rickman uh, for the first time as Hans Gruber and his thugs. And they enter from the truck through the parking garage. And I noticed this goof <laughs> as well. And yeah. the internet did too. Yes. So when the terrorists are, are first walking in as a group looking all serious and sinister and whatever. Um, there's one goon on the left-hand side. He looks, he, he comes up later in the movie. He looks like Huey Lewis. Um, oh yeah. That guy. I yeah. know exactly what you're talking he's, about. Yeah. Uh, he's on a collision course with the wall. <laughs> um, there's a, there's a doorway and a wall and he basically the camera cuts away just before he walks face and eyes into the wall. <laughs> go back and look at it it's hilarious you can't miss it but it was like is he gonna yeah and then they cut away uh but i said yeah the fuck guy looks like huey lewis <laughs> oh so i think God. i shall I henceforth and henceforth yep. re- refer to him as huey lewis i actually i think i was uh a little lit by the end of the movie and i had to look it up it's not him oh it's not Huey Lewis. no 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 for sure <laughs> no, it's no no i know it's not but i but you know a few things deep in bourbon and I was hey, like, right I, it's, it's yeah. power love I need to man. check this out yeah I know that was that's the power of love <laughs> you have to be square yeah um, holy fuck man sorry for all the noise that's all the mics dropping everywhere <laughs> <laughs> so Theo the tech nerd uh, steals off the building uh, and shuts down the escalators I, I don't know why you can still use a stopped escalator. <laughs> They're called stairs. <laughs> let's let's uh, let's let's turn off the escalator. Oh shit! Yeah, We're this stuck. is how easily I suspend my disbelief that that to me is a lockdown building. Escalators that aren't moving. Right, it is. <laughs> I'm, I'm just like, nitpicking at this ooh. point. <laughs> no, I no that no. I'm like dying here because I like it. Never struck me how silly that is. You know, right. I'm so. I'm so bought in on this movie. It's an effective it's visual. Yeah. 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 And they shut down the elevators above the uh, 29th floor. Yep. So Huey Lewis dresses up as the front door security guard and they tap into the phone system and then cut all the lines with a sawzall. So yep. they're cutting off uh, some forms of communication. They're going to use walkies for the rest of the uh, pretty much rest of the movie. Uh, Gruber and the goons start shooting up the party. And McLean is in still in Holly's office and he hears the gunfire, obviously. Um, so the goons sweep through the offices, rounding up hostages and a barefoot McLean evades them and goes up the stairwell to see that there are more goons on the 31st floor. Uh, Gruber then addresses the hostages 
just an amazing performance by Alan Rickman. This whole, the whole movie is, is delivery is just so measured and amazing. So he says that Nakatomi will pay for its greed around the globe. And he asks for Takagi. And it it was funny because I, I didn't notice any other older Asian guys in the room initially. So I was thinking, so he's saying that he, was born in whatever, 1937, blah, blah. So it can't be that hard to find like an older Asian gentleman. And sure enough, they go around the room and there's a bunch of them. It's <laughs> so, full of them. Yeah. There's, yeah, a, I know. yeah there, there's a few of so them. I, I just didn't notice them before. So fuck me. Um, really a fucking board of chairmen from the Kumite. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let's not forget. Right? So can I, can I throw a shout out to old Al Caban Leon? who had a sure. bit part as one of the henchmen. You know who I'm talking about, right? I do know who you're talking about. That's Genghis Khan and Bill and Ted. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. So he was in Big Trouble in Little China. They live. He's been in everything, man. Everything. He plays, in this movie, though, he plays Uli. 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 Like John the most Ross? German name you've yes. ever heard. Uli. And it, it is played by Al Leong, who yeah. played Genghis <laughs> Khan in Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Wow. Yeah, that's Uli. <laughs> Uli. Yeah. He was yeah, from right East up. Germany. East Germany, yeah. Yeah, yeah far East Germany. <laughs> far East Germany. Uh, almost okay. Anyway. Him and fucking yeah. Theo were uh, played <laughs> Sundown from Top Gun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god yeah. oh, sorry, sorry. I had to get, we, we win agent so I, I had to give a shout out I really you know what he's been one of those guys you see him in the movie and it's like you point yes. him out go yeah. fuck I love that guy I love that guy too so anyway Rickman goes around and is is threatening uh, asking for Takagi Takagi eventually presents himself and he's whisked away to the office um, to be interrogated so McLean makes mental notes of what's on each floor and he notices uh, the goons transporting guided missiles in a case. That's okay. That's going to come up sometime. That's not, yep. <laughs> that's, they're not going to leave that alone. So Gruber and the goons take Takagi into his office where Gruber uh, marvels over Takagi's models of different Nakatomi projects, which are really freaking cool. Um, and Gruber plays out his goal, which is to steal. 640 million in bearer bonds in the vault. Right. I always thought that was a little bit of a, you know, the amount is there, but bearer bonds, this seemed lame. Untraceable. I guess so. That that was the point is that they're, uh, yeah, they're like a financial device that can't be traced. Like they're, it's better than cash. Yeah. Just not as sexy as gold bricks or something, you know? No. No, that's true, but they're lighter. (laughs) True enough. I can't believe this was Rickman's <laughs> first feature film. Well, I was going to say that, Rob. Like, we love Hans Gruber in this, and I'd never seen him before this. And that makes, I guess, he, but he acted like he's been doing it a long time. He's yeah. so good. Yeah, yeah. seriously. He almost Jobs didn't take, he almost didn't take the role really? because of the kind of film that they were making. Yeah. Right. I guess right. he was he doing like a lot of Shakespeare and stuff before this. Yeah, Shakespeare Company Productions. Yeah. yeah, yeah, so classically trained. American Film Institute said he was the 46th best villain in film in film history. Did we I, did I, we I, mention I, him in our villains podcast? Did we? No, I remember. I don't what? think we did. Shout Oversight. out to podcast 
What yeah. should I? What number was that? Two. Wasn't it? Podcast number two, villains. Yes, man. He's fuck. He would rank right up there with Boddicker. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we'll have to do <laughs> have to do a retcon on that one. He, we do he a bone on that. Yeah, we have to do a special shit we missed. Pod. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so McLean shows up and he sees uh, Gruber threatening Yonyo, threatening Takagi for the vault code. And Gruber counts to three, and Takagi says he doesn't have the code, and that you just have to kill him. So Gruber yes. does. <laughs> And he splatters his brains over the glass doors. Yeah. Uh, so McLean is taken aback by that. And he scuffles away and he's heard by Gruber and the goons. Uh, so he hides in a bathroom uh, or something and hopes that Argyle heard the shots. But of course, he's listening to loud music in the limo talking <laughs> on the phone. Um, now, Blake, did you have... Is this the scene you had a continuity error that you said you'd Oh, uh, no. It, it, don't oversell it or anything, but a little bit later, I'll I'll, uh, okay. I'll jump in with it. Yep. <laughs> okay. It's I just made one, a, it's I, one of the goofs. I just it's made just a, a note here. I was proud of. Yeah. <laughs> right, cool. Thank you. Appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so next scene, the goons are on the roof, apparently wiring the building with explosives. So they show us that. And they cut to McLean, who pulls the fire alarm on the 32nd floor. Uh, trying to get, you know, some sort of uh, emergency services to show up. So Gruber tells the uh, Huey Lewis to call 911 and cancel the alarm. So uh, another goon, I can't remember his name. He's got glasses. Um, he's Carl's brother. Carl's brother. Uh, Carl's yeah. brother. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I, I don't know if they ever if they ever name checked him, but he probably does have a name. I just didn't know what it was. Didn't see it. Uh, no. So he goes looking for McLean and says um, that no one is coming to help and and kind of trolling him, smack talking him. So McLean gets to jump on the on the goon uh, by firing up a like a skill saw or or a you know, some sort of chop saw. Anyway. Right. Yeah, like a radial arm saw. Radial arm saw. That's what I'm looking for. I'm not, I didn't take shot. <laughs> no, uh, I had dead. Yeah, I'm as handy as a foot. Funny. Um, <laughs> fuck man. So, <laughs> I'd fucking, I'd fucking, I'd, I'd walk right into a fucking drywall and fucking fall down and fucking drool. <laughs> Rob shaped silhouette in the drywall. Yeah. 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 Modern, yeah. modern, t- modern tape means cupping a fart and throwing it at the wall. <laughs> <laughs> oh, by the way, that that yeah. scene where he calls the the he pulls the fire alarm and he is. He's jubilant that they're the fire trucks are coming down the strip down the strip and, and towards the building. Yeah. He does this prancy little dance of glee and it, it makes me cringe every time. He does this uh, I don't nope. I don't know. I don't know how to describe it, but no, it's, it's terrible. <laughs> they, they didn't call cut. No like what are you doing? No nope. Bruce. No, nope. he does a little like doink 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 back and forth, left <sighs> and right, and before it like no, 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 you stupid move. You know? Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, they oh. fall into the stairwell and McLean kills the glasses goon. He breaks his neck. Uh, so he finds ammo and detonators and a brick of C4 and a walkie talkie in a tote bag. So it's a little bit of a goof here, which I kind of noticed. Um, so when they fall down the stairs, uh, McLean is clearly wearing flesh colored socks. If you go back and look at it, he's supposed to be barefoot, right? Uh, he's not. <laughs> he 
he's wearing socks. <laughs> um, movie magic. So Gruber tells the hostages that Takagi won't be joining us for the rest of his life, which I thought was the best line. <laughs> it was great. Uh, especially yes. delivered by Alan Rickman. Uh, and the elevator opens. And this is uh, what we had talked about before. Um, revealing the glasses goon, uh, his corpse, and McLean had written on his chest, now I have a machine gun, ho, ho, ho. Uh, written, I, I assume, in blood. I don't know what else he could have wrote it on, <laughs> wrote with, but um, pretty neat handwriting for blood on chest, I guess. But did well. So Holly sees this and knows immediately that it's John's handiwork and has hope that he is going to come and rescue them. Uh, so here we find out that the glasses goon is Carl's brother and McLean hides on top of the elevator car. Uh, and he's noting, he's writing notes on his like names on his arm in Sharpie, yep. which is cool. Very cool. Like, so he knows they're, you know, when he does talk to them, he knows their names and ah, awesome. So McLean makes his way to the roof, uh, passing like a booby pick on the wall kind of a topless woman and he uses the walkie to hail anyone that might help uh so carl's walkie picks it up and gruber um figures that the best place to transmit is the roof and sends the goons after john so i it's logical i guess it's very smart of gruber uh might be a little bit too smart do you think to immediately say, oh, he's on the roof. That's the best place to transmit. Yeah, uh, not entirely, because he said that. I think aren't these times... things aren't these things supposed to work throughout the building? <laughs> and they do later in the in the movie too. Yeah, John is talking to well, someone. Spoiler alert! Right later in the movie, the same way. So, and he's not on the roof. Yeah, I just thought it was it was a convenient uh, bit of plot device there that he immediately assumed that's exactly where he was and whatever. Yeah. Again, I think they used the classic trope of, I think there was a line or two where he talked about, I spent months planning this out and yeah. you know, he knew everything about the building, um, etc. Right. Maybe, you know, you suspend hey. yourself a little bit and say, okay, maybe. Um, <laughs> I, I, I shall not suspend my disbelief. Fuck I you. shall disbelieve. Anyway, oh, I shall continue back, to hey, so disbelieve. I shall go back, going back to Rickman when we talk about this yeah. being his first feature film. Yeah. Um, when I said it was it was dangerous liaisons that he was playing uh, in a play in 1987 when both Silver and McTiernan actually went to a play and they both decided after they went there they had found their Hans Gruber. Wow. That was in 87. So hmm. interesting. I They couldn't have made a better choice. Oh, my right? God, no. Not even um, remotely close. No. The only person I could think of off the top of my head who could have done this role was like someone like Rutger Hauer or someone. Um, Max Fancido. Yeah. Someone's, Max Fancido yeah, so, would have been great. That yeah. would have been pretty good, actually. Yeah. But uh, yeah, Rickman, amazing. So yeah. emergency services did hear John's call. And tells him, this is a maddening scene. <laughs> it always kind of bugged me. Uh, the missus on the other line tells him this is reserved for emergencies only. <laughs> yeah, that was really annoying. And no she, fucking shit, lady. No shit. <laughs> Do you think I'm ordering a fucking pizza? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Classic. 
Yeah, that I was a real it. '80s joke too. Uh, yeah. That, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, on uh, off of Rickman's tip, <laughs> the goons find John on the roof and begin to open fire, which is heard by the emergency services lady over the walkie. And guess what she does? She sends one car just if someone's in the area. <laughs> so yes. Is that just a, a sad commentary on Los Angeles or is this woman really horrible at her job <laughs> or both? I don't know. It was LA. True. Right. Happens all the time. And now we enter Carl fucking yeah. Winslow. Yeah. <laughs> his, his name is Al. Urkel's Powell. But, uh, neighbor. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so his name is Al in this movie, Powell. Um, but he'll always be Carl Winslow to me. Yes. Family, family matters. matters. Yes, sir. There's some fan fiction out there to say that that they're in the same universe. (laughs) (laughs) Of course they do. Yeah. And this was actually he was he changed his name to Carl Winslow in some sort of like witness protection program. (laughs) I don't know. Oh, dear God. Really? Someone went that far? (laughs) Well, of course, the Internet. Um, Damn. Yeah. So he's in a convenience store and he pays for an armful of Twinkies that uh, he says are for his wife and the guy oh. fucks, it's full of shit. <laughs> yeah, a cop eating, twi- uh, you know, a large cop <laughs> eating Twinkies. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Whatever. For my oh, wife, yeah, this is for good. the wife. Yeah. The wife would kill him if she heard that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he walks outside and he sees flashes on the roof of Nakatomi Plaza. Um, a uh, little logical error here. He looks like he's kind of close enough to hear that amount of automatic gunfire. <laughs> it, is just the, it is. 30 but, stories up is a lot. So maybe I, I can. All right. I think I can suspend my disbelief a bit. Right, yes. Yeah. Fuck right. yeah. Halloween ends type of suspend your belief. <laughs> yeah. I'm just Swiss cheese. Yeah. Anyway. Oh, fuck I, yeah. That's okay. Notes, notes as I'm going through watching this shit. The cool thing is that Nakatomi Plaza was actually a real building and it wasn't one of these fucking models. It was the actual 20th century studio building. That was, no, was it right? Oh, I didn't know Under that. maintenance oh, during time cool. of filming. So it was mm. actually when um, the dude who wrote the screenplay did actually did a tour of the building and um, said, fuck, we got to film here. Now, of course, oh. movie movie studios being movie studios, they charge themselves rent for the use of the unfinished building. But hey, fuck, what? You know, have at her. <laughs> or no. So McLean and the goons continue to play cat and mouse on the roof. And eventually back uh, they get back inside. And John finds uh, the titty pick again for the second time. He pats it for luck, which yep. I thought was funny. He pats it for luck, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then he climbs down a matte painting of an elevator shaft uh, using his uh, <laughs> SMG as a brace. Yeah, that, was, that wasn't that was a great special effect <laughs> right there. Oh. Um, yeah. I didn't see it. I don't have no idea what you're talking about. Didn't see it. It looked kind of mega force to me. Uh, that Ooh. Endoscope or whatever the freak that was I called. can see why you'd think that. I never, I didn't think too much about the visual effects of that. The part that bothered me was the submachine gun fit with yeah. literally a half Perfect. an inch on either side yeah. on the yeah. side of the, the, the duct or the shaft or whatever. Yeah. I'm thinking, you trust this a lot, apparently. Yeah. Boy, they, and they, he, he's using the, the SMG as a brace and he's lowering himself down the shaft on the strap. Did you notice how long the strap was? <laughs> it was fucking long. It was way yeah. too long. It was fucking super. <laughs> it looked like it was yeah. 15 feet long. Uh, when he's in anyway, that's another little goof yep. I found. 
Um, but then that leads to the famous scene uh, within. He, he finds an air duct and he's crawling through the air duct with a lighter and says the line, come out to the coast. Get We'll get together and have a few laughs. A few laughs, right? With the Zippo lit. Yes. Yeah, so he, he lights the Zippo so you could see him, I guess. Yeah. But yeah. Um, this is where the little goof that, that made me smile shows up. Oh. He's clearly wearing his white tank top with blood stains on it. The next scene, he is wearing an unmistakably brown tank top. Not dirty, <gasps> brown tank top. Really? And I think he, his pants might have changed because he was wearing like Navy, like rugby pants, right? Like dog uh, rugby, whatever. Yeah. But he... Uh, I wore he so many freaking rugby pants, man. <laughs> I, I, me too. The, yeah. But those uh, that tank top changes to a brown tank top after hmm. that. Yeah, yeah, but you know what? What was the last time you crawled through a fucking duck space that was in a building no, under construction. like I said, not dirty, man. There was no blood stains on the brown shirt. <laughs> it's, not, it's not the same one. God damn it. No, I tried. He went and changed. He went, yeah, he went shopping or something. Yeah. Some of those scammers yeah. that call the house trying to clean the air ducts should have went to Nakatomi. Yeah, that's... Ursals. <laughs> anyway. Didn't he donate that... Uh, he donated that beater to somewhere. I don't know if oh, it was I'd the Smithsonian it, or the trademark, somewhere. Absolutely. Yeah, he donated it somewhere. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Can we give um, a shout out to Bruce Willis? Um, isn't he not doing too well right now? Right. He's, not. He's got no. like uh, a, a form of aphasia that's affecting his ability to to think. Yeah. It's yep. it's very sad. Very sad. He's such a cool actor. So yeah. shout out to Bruce. Thanks for fucking giving us the best Christmas movie ever. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't know about that. <laughs> Second best. Mm-hmm. Okay. Third Second best behind best Violet Night. Pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Fuck, top five. Top five. Top five. Yeah, top five. Yep. Uh, Christmas yeah, Vacation. Die Hard. Violet Night. Fucking That's the old it. Rudolph. End of list. Rudolph. Rudolph <laughs> end of Home list, Alone. Yeah. yeah Home Alone yeah. still good. And then then good all chunk. the Hallmark movies after that. Yeah. Carl leaves uh, after almost finding John in the ducks. He shoots a couple of rounds up through it and pokes it with his gun and, and he leaves. And then uh, Carl Winslow arrives at the plaza. Uh, McLean sees the squad car from uh, Takagi's window. He, he makes his way into there and uh, McLean breaks a window with a chair. <laughs> um, two goons find him. And McLean kills them both. Carl goes inside and, and see, you know, talks to uh, Huey Lewis and, uh, and everything seems okay. And he goes back to his car and a body falls on his squad car. And the goons open fire on Carl Winslow and he backs up his squad car and calls for backup uh, before dropping his car off the side of a raised road. Not quite a bridge or an overpass, just kind of a raised up road. He, he forks his car. Yeah. So listen, I got one thing to add here. Uh, well, that's John is actually firing down at the car. Oh, it wasn't the goons; it was John. No, it was John because the goons, the goons that he just killed, are the only ones that would know. Oh, he was of course. There. Okay. So then he's firing at them, but he does it to shoot out the cherries on the car and everything. But he would have filled Carl full of lead. <laughs> I suppose he would have. I mean, it's an LAPD the car. Roofs of police cars. It's, there's no way he he, uh, he assumed that firing down on it would uh, the officer would be safe inside. Kevlar squad guard, no doubt. Right, 
yeah so that that was a that was a part that made me laugh like yeah that cop would have been swiss cheese awfully risky (laughs) yeah (laughs) so the call that um the call that um carl winslow makes uh is overheard by thornburg who's a, a sleazy reporter and he makes his way to the scene he's giddy that uh this guy shows yeah. up in Die Hard 2 as well oh, yeah. um, William Atherton he's awesome okay yes yeah yeah so he, he he is awesome in a very shitty way he's a jerk in a very shitty way yeah yeah so McLean calls Hans on the walkie and this is the first time that they talk and this is an amazing scene between Bruce Willis and Alan Rickman um just unbelievable dialogue unrehearsed by the way that scene that was there's it was unrehearsed to add Is that right it was unrehearsed it yeah. did oh, seem very natural so good <laughs> yeah it was unrehearsed that such a good scene yeah i read that uh i read that somewhere getting ready for this and then they actually said it was unrehearsed to allow for more genuine uh encounter between the the, the villain and the hero <sighs> mission accomplished Fucking, holy yeah. shit yeah, no doubt. Wow. So if I had a read ahead, uh, Carl, I'm going to call him Al. Do you want me to keep calling him Carl Winslow? <laughs> oh, fucking. Fucking Carl yeah, Winslow reaches You know, Carl Winslow. Yeah. You can call him Reg. That's true. It's oh, Reginald yeah. Bell Johnson, right? It is, yeah. yeah. No, I like, if, if you don't know Carl Winslow, fucking turn off the pot yeah. and we'll bait out of it. Oh, yeah. All my notes got him as Carl Winslow, so I'll keep going. Yeah, uh, Carl Winslow reaches, he reaches McLean on the walkie and um, asks, and so John says, what do you want me to call you? And he says, Roy, because he was, uh, Rick was calling him a cowboy, and Roy Rogers and all that stuff. So that was cool. Um, and he gives him, uh, the police, a description of the goons and Gruber and how many there are and all that kind of stuff. And then he sits down, has dart <laughs> next to the windows. Uh, and then we leave McLean for a little bit and when the police show up. So a whole bunch more police arrive and Deputy Chief uh, Robinson shows up in a town car, which makes me laugh every time. Huh. Comes in fucking hot, just blazes in his skids to a stop. <laughs> it seems super unprofessional. <laughs> Just roasted it in some sort of town car. <laughs> and he, he hops out of the car and he flashes his badge to nobody. No one's there looking at him. <laughs> and he asks, who's, he, he asks who, who's talking to him. And Carl Winslow says it's him. And Robinson doesn't know. Um, you know, he, he asks him. Like, it's, like, uh-huh. it's just really weird. He just pops out of this fucking skidding car and busts up on Winslow and stuff. Start talking to him. Oh, Paul um, Gleason, right? Yeah. Yes, yeah. Paul Gleason. Yes. Now he's he's the uh, vice the principal, principal in, in Breakfast Club. Yes. Yeah. 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 Okay. It was. Do you know okay. what he Ebert said? Like you know what Ebert, other movies too. Fucking yeah, yeah. Roger Ebert said about uh, Gleason's character in that movie. Wow. He said it was an example of him being a character being useless and dumb, and that it prevented the film from succeeding. I thought he was fucking brilliant in that role. The way that he just came off as a fucking dumbass, right? He was a dumbass, but I don't think it took away from the movie. <laughs> no, it yeah. didn't. Absolutely. No. Maybe yeah. fucking Ebert was fucking face first in a fucking fat burger or something. <laughs> <laughs> so Robinson says to Carl Winslow, uh, how does he know that 
who he's talking to is not one of the terrorists. And Carl Winslow says he thinks he's a cop because <laughs> he said he could spot a fake ID and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. So, yeah, so he's just a foil. Basically, Robinson just shows yeah. up and he's he's just a foil for everything. Uh, and next scene, the news crew shows up again and coming in hot too. <laughs> they <just laughs> burn up in in a in a news van through like a police barricade or whatever. That seems risky. Um, and the goons uh, set up a little like four inch TV for Hans. <laughs> yeah, little portable. Oh, dailies. that was funny. I noticed that uh, too. Like, and the thing weighs like thirty five pounds. Oh, easy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, little CRT uh, yep. brick. Um, so Holly comes in and requests a couch for a pregnant woman and some bathroom breaks and her eyes just very slightly fall on a framed photo that's face down on the desk behind Gruber. Mm. And he's so smart that he kind of picks up on that. So I'm sure that will come into play again. Doesn't jump on it immediately though. No, 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 no. Lots of stuff like that in this movie, little tiny things that, that you see and they come back they they come back they don't leave a lot nope. um hanging like the, a lot of movies they'll 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 have little red herrings and little plot points and they never revisit and not here every little thing they they come back and it's really good really good you know story writing script writing and don't forget there's one really important one what's that do you want me to talk about it now, or do you want to wait? Oh, I don't know. We... Oh, I'm gonna drop. Them <laughs> if you want to wait, well, all right, drop oh, them. Drop them. Hot. Yeah, do I'm it when the time I'm is coming time in is like right, fucking Rob. Dwayne T. Robinson. <laughs> hot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So, uh, we cut the argyle who fucking finally picks up on the fact that Nakatomi's been captured by terrorists <laughs> when he sees Thornburg's report on the limo TV. He's always bragging about the TV. He said, oh, by the way, he says it's got a VCR in there, which is fucking bits. Um, so apparently the limo soundproofing and stereo can drown out automatic gunfire. I uh, didn't hear anything the whole time. And he flips on the CB to hear the police chatter. So now he's in the loop. He's in play, but he's locked in the parking garage for now. So Robinson is adamant about going into the building, but you know, Carl Winslow gives him a bunch of, you know, what abouts? What about the guy shooting at my car? What about the body that fell at the window? And Robinson just kind of unprofessionally poo poos all that. Uh, he's going to do what he's going to do. Uh, so the goons get prepared for the cops. Um, you go from the, the well thought out, well planned, Terrorists yeah. got their shit together. You got McLean, who's a fucking cowboy, and then you right. got these the guys that can't roll in the bushes without exactly. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So the whole while Theo's watching them, and he's relaying all the cop formations as they try to enter the building, like they're stacked two by two, whatever, whatever. <laughs> you know, they're just relaying that they they know exactly what they're doing. So uh, all the goons they shoot out the searchlights, uh, so they can't see, and and Gruber instructs them to just wound them, just wound the cops, and kill them. Uh, so Robinson changes his tune and says to get the cops out of there without the lights. And, and there's a SWAT guy next to him who either outranks him or 100% ignores him and says, <laughs> send in the car. And so we see what that is. It looks like an APC of some sort. 
and uh, it's busted up on the on the building, and the goons get the rockets in place that we saw earlier. Yeah. So, by the way, I love what uh, what's his name, the Brainiac that locks down the building. What's his name again? Theo. Theo. I love when he says that the police have gotten themselves an RV. Mm. <laughs> an RV. Yeah. Yeah, he says that they got themselves an RV, and that <laughs> that line always cracked me up. Yeah. So, um, again, nitpicking, but it seems like it would take way longer to set up that rocket launcher that they had uh, for the APC to arrive, because <laughs> that thing is just booking towards the building. Yep. And they said they're like they're drilling it into the floor, and it would <laughs> take me like two hours to set that thing up. But that's me again, hand like feet. Um, but they do manage to blow it up with a couple rockets. Uh, so yep. McLean heads for the elevator shaft again and loads up a bar of C4 uh, on an office chair and sends it down the shaft. So this is a kind of an iconic scene. Uh, it detonates and it blows the Jesus out of a lower floor and almost blows himself up. <laughs> um, and I always thought it seemed, again, it's the second kind of uh time he was pretty reckless and that he he didn't know where that explosion was going to go <laughs> he probably could have a problem with that like he, he probably could have killed everybody <laughs> he caused this death star level explosion with a television <laughs> yeah. or c4 sandwiched between a television and an office chair yeah and it, it seriously it was like a return of the jedi when they when they detonated that that <laughs> that death star yeah was the explosion that resulted yeah, and another I mean, thing it reminded me of another Star Wars reference is when Vader threw Palpatine into the shaft and all of the the wind right. and the, and the <laughs> flew up through the shaft. That's what it looked like, an explosion. I think I'm splicing the two memories, yes. actually. that Definitely that visual <laughs> of the like blowing fire type thing. Yep. Yeah. yeah. For sure. All from a stick of a block of C4 and a TV. <laughs> uh, anyway, I'm glad, I'm glad you yeah. thought that was ridiculous, too. But it is a very iconic scene. It was a yeah. good scene from the explosion perspective, though. When they yes. take a look oh, away, oh my god, yes, power it looked, it for sure, great. really good power yeah. techniques. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. It was like two thirty in the morning when you fucking light your last dart up and you light it up the wrong way. <laughs> you light the filter. You light the filter. That kind of flame that comes up. <laughs> done that before. Yeah, it been there. Done that. Yeah, <laughs> last one too. Go get yeah. scissors, cut the end off her. Yep. <laughs> Earlier in the evening, too. Yeah. <laughs> oh, shit. Uh, Robinson gets on the CB with McLean and says that they don't want his help. I don't know why he doesn't want his help. And uh, McLean tells him off in no uncertain terms. And Carl Winslow tells him that he loves him. <laughs> and I laughed. Uh, he actually says it. <laughs> So I love you, man. He does. I love you, man. It's awesome. And I, I'm actually, John's face is pretty good after. I was like, yeah. oh, fuck. Really? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that speaks to Carl Winslow knowing that John's a cop and that camaraderie, that brotherhood of cops, I think. So back with the hostages, uh, Ellis is still doing bumps and gets brave as he's coked out. And he tries to negotiate with Gruber. And he tells Gruber that he can give McLean to him. And so we'll see at this point, we'll see what he means by that. We're not, we're not too sure in this scene. So McLean chats with Carl Winslow about their kids 
and Gruber cuts in, calling him Mr. McLean, um, which is overheard by Thornburg. He kind of pipes up, rubs his bird. <laughs> rubs his bird. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> your balls off. Uh, oh, my God. So it's obvious that Ellis has given him up and uh, tells him his name. And he gets on the walkie with McLean saying um, Gruber wants the detonators and that he has uh, that he's got it from the other goon. And uh, they're going to kill him, which is at the time a ruse, but it's not because Gruber shoots him. (laughs) And we all knew that. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So this shitbag is gone. Uh, Not sorry about that. Not at all. No. The only thing that was uh, a shitty part of that scene was that he was killed off camera. You know, the funny thing is, remember Maxim? I don't even know. If, is Maxim still a thing? The magazine? The magazine? I'm sure. Yeah. I think it is. Yeah. I have no idea. Um, He was once ranked the number two greatest movie sleazeball of all time. <laughs> uh, that, that tracks. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Who's one? You know? I have no idea. No. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> I should have went down that rabbit hole. Um, yeah, sorry. And where he calls him Hans Bubby. Yeah. That uh that was ad libbed. And the, really? the quizzical look on uh old Rickman's face was uh, what the fuck is this guy doing? Genuine. What did he say? Uh-huh. Did he say booby? Is that what he said? Hans Bubby. Hans, yeah. Booby. Hans Bubby or, or whatever it was. Yeah. Yeah. That was ad That one on that that distinction in Maxim magazine for sure. Oh. Yeah. He's Canadian. <laughs> that guy. Hart oh. Wachner, yeah, from Toronto. That's too bad. Yeah. 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 So there you go. More you know. Nice. So Carl (laughs) Winslow and Robinson argue outside, and uh, Carl Winslow kind of steps out of line, talking to a superior officer, (laughs) uh, saying that he needs to wake up and smell what he's shoveling. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Just a weird dynamic between those two. Um, Yep. Gruber calls out and speaks to Robinson. He demands that some of his brothers in arms who are in prison around the world uh, be released at the request of the U.S. government. Uh, of course, this is a ruse. Um, he has no intentions of that because uh, he says to Carl that he read about this one Asian Don Asian in Time Don. Magazine. <laughs> in Time well, he magazine. also mentions the FLQ, too. He does. He name checks the yeah. FLQ. Yeah. So I don't know if Asian Don is actually a real thing. It might be. Could be. It also yeah. sounds like a fucking... <laughs> I think we saw Asian Don at Barbarella's that night, Rob. <laughs> I saw I saw her at the Piccadilly, actually. But, yeah. <laughs> I was just about to say, I'm almost sure I've seen that porn. <laughs> Local talent. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Asian Don. So McLean hears all this, and he thinks that Gruber's demands are horse shit. He sees right through it. Um, and then two FBI agents show up, uh, Johnson and Johnson, <laughs> and they take over. That's their names, right? Johnson. Johnson. That's right. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He says this like is Agent Johnson. Yeah. Then he says, "No, the other one." When he right. says this is Agent Johnson, <laughs> like that didn't age very well. No. Anyway. <laughs> Fuck. Were there so, in a helicopter? That's funny. Oh my shit. god. That is good stuff. Yeah. Um. So Gruber goes to inspect the explosives, finding that the cords have been cut and is found by John. And Gruber acts like he's a hostage. And we're supposed to believe at the time that McLean uh, believes him. 
he, right. he you know he, he's talking to him he's making you know small talk he hands him eventually hands uh gruber a handgun uh which of course gruber promptly points at him and of course it's empty because john mcclain isn't that stupid because they did a side scroll of the camera to the 10th floor and he when he said oh i was just coming down here he looked at the name right isn't that yes. what he did didn't yeah, they do that did. for yes. a reason Knowing That's how that I grabbed he the name. Yeah, said he was Bill from Clay. the wrong floor or something. Yeah, because there was yeah. a William Shaw there or whatever it was. He yeah. said Bill Shaw or whatever the name was. Yeah, Bill Clay. Bill Clay. Bill Clay. Yeah, William yeah. Clay. W M dot Clay was on that. That's right. Yep. Yeah, that's right. And and how do you talk to Alan Rickman on the walkie and not recognize his voice, even if he's putting on an American accent? You could. <laughs> you could I know. thought about that this this time I watched it. Like, no, I would definitely know that voice. That timber yeah. is unmistakable. No mistake. Yeah. So uh, the goons show up and uh, McLean shoots one and the others uh, sprays like automatic fire towards John and Hans, which, again, seems pretty reckless. They're going to be shooting at their uh, their leader. Uh McLean kills another one, shooting out his knees, which was gross. I was oh, cringe. That, I was cringe at that. That was one. something else. <laughs> so we watched this. I first saw this movie. Um, I think it was a high school torchlight parade that ended up at the high school, and they showed movies. And yeah. Die Hard and Rambo Three were the two movies we watched that night. So Ooh. we were like watching movies for like four hours. Wicked. But I remember a friend of mine in front of me, and after that, the guy got shot in the knees. Yeah. My friend Pat just shudders like exaggeratedly. It cracks up everybody because it was like <laughs> over the top gross. Yeah. Yeah. But that, Very that splattery. Yeah. 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 I don't say Buddy had a leg to stand on after. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> can't help no. it. So I'm sorry. No, but you can't control yourself, but no. it's all good. It's like Romy so, Bird. <laughs> so hence, uh, instructs Carl to shoot the glass knowing that McLean is barefoot. So I got to point out a goof there. Do you have sure. one chair or can, okay. Well, the when only, goof ha- I, the only goof I had is that they seem to be wasting a lot of rounds on the glass. <laughs> oh, absolutely. But Hans yells at them or speaks to them in German. Okay. And they can't hear what he's saying. So he repeats it loudly in English. Then they understand. Then the shooting starts. <laughs> Shoot the glass. He says that. <laughs> no, try it in English. Your native German-speaking uh, team members will—they'll uh, get it then. <laughs> uh, that's awesome. Uh, yeah. yeah, they seem to be wasting a lot of rounds on on shooting the glass out. Uh, but yeah, Gruber, the German, um, the yeah. German that the terrorists speak is incorrect in the movie. For one thing. Oh, that's why they couldn't hear him. Yeah, and right. in the German version of the film, the terrorists are not from Germany, <laughs> but from Europe. Oh. Just yeah. oh. And the Generals. actors who were the actors who they selected for the terrorists, obviously with fucking Alk Bong Leong, yeah. they were right. more for stature than they were. They, uh, a couple of them spoke German, a couple of them spoke broken German, the other ones could not. Okay. Just throwing that out there. Very good. Yeah. So Gruber gets the um, detonators back, uh, but McLean has given him the slip. So he says, smile, Carl, we're back in business. And Carl gives him the stupidest look, and I don't Again, I laughed. Go back and watch that. I don't know what kind of look Carl gives him, but anyway. He's still mad his brother's killed, I suppose. Uh, yeah. So Thornburg gets some info on McLean, and 
<laughs> Carl. Then we see Carl wrecks a serving cart in, in anger, which I laughed again. Is that the one where he's yeah. on the way? Yeah, he walks over, he just gives the butt end of the gun. Yeah, just 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 roasts yes. The and the cart. pregnant woman says that guy looks really pissed. Yeah, <laughs> you don't say. <laughs> if the, him like shooting up the building and killing a bunch of people didn't tip her yeah, off, right? Exactly. Him beating up the the food cart. Yeah. Yep. And then we cut the cut to John, who's crawling through a doorway with blood pouring out of his feet after walking on the broken glass, which always irks yeah. me. Is gross. Yeah, um, even yeah. worse than the knees. Yep. Yes. Yeah. So he speaks to Carl Winslow as he picks glass out of his feet, which is another disgusting scene. Um, yeah. And Carl Winslow opens up to him and says that he, uh, that what it got him pushing papers was that he shot a kid um, on the beat one time. Yeah. And so they get into a little bit of his backstory and stuff like that, which is cool. Which, again, um, what Blake mentioned earlier, and we mentioned earlier, is that there are a few things that were listed and spoke about that yeah. come into play later in the film. Yeah. Because he says, I haven't been able to lift a gun since. Yeah, that's right. So the FBI and the city engineers uh, head to cut the building's power um, underground, which is exactly what Hans wants them to do uh, so he can bypass the last lock. <laughs> and it works. And so the goons enter the vault to Beethoven's Ode to Joy. They use that a lot in that movie. They use it three or four times, and I always liked the integration of that Absolutely. piece. Yeah. Not it kind of added the refinement of Hans, you know, the higher thinking type of villain that he is. I think yeah. it did a good job of the uh, funny thing though, Rob, you said it wasn't a Christmas song. Yeah. Uh it actually is the melody is used and I haven't been to church in a few years, but um, the only times we used to go to church, uh, well, we were for a stretch there we were going, but most of the time it was like Christmas Eve and right. Easter, but Christmas Eve, um, there is a hymn that is set to Ode to Joy. No uh, way. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, the words there, they put words to it, obviously, but it is a Christmas hymn uh, set to Ode to Joy. So it is kind of, but not really. So go. adds more credibility to the fact that Die Hard is a Christmas well, that movie. That would make it an Easter movie, hey, bye. Uh, oh, I suppose. <laughs> I'm sure there's an Easter hymn set though to Joy do. They they just <laughs> Well nobody <laughs> rises from the dead though. Uh, no. Well, well uh actually well, I'll get back oh, to that fuck, in a minute. Okay, but... shit. God damn. <laughs> yeah. Continue, oh, Jared, please. <laughs> <laughs> I got one. Spoiler alert. Save it. All right. Okay. So Gruber calls out to the FBI agents who tells Gruber that his demands have been met and that the choppers are on uh, en route. So he's going to um, send choppers, land them on the roof, take the hostages out of there, and Hans reveals that he'll blow the roof up when the choppers arrive, and then they'll be long gone. So uh, Thornburg goes to the McLean house with a TV crew and threatens the nanny with deportation jerk. Uh, if she doesn't uh, let him speak to the kids. Yeah. Uh, Commander, I'll call INS, wasn't it? Yeah. Just yep. Dim- I'll call no, INS. Blake, but what is INS, the proper acronym? Uh, immigration and naturalization. Naturalization. Service. So naturalization the service, people, yeah. yeah, the people that will actually... Uh, look into her situation in yeah. her home. Like Jerry said, deportation. Guatemala. Okay. Yep. Yeah. T 
Tish. <laughs> so McLean goes to see why Hans was on the roof and he finds the explosives. Um, but he gets ca- uh, gets caught by Carl uh, just as he's telling Carl Winslow about the plan to blow the roof. Uh, so the epic fight between McLean and Carl, the blonde assassin starts. So they're just mixing it up. Um, Thornburg's TV spot with the kids comes on Hans's little three inch TV and Hans, uh, picks up the face down photo that we saw earlier, uh, revealing that Holly is John's wife. So he orders the hostages to the roof, but of course keeps Holly with him. So, uh, McLean and Carl continue to scrap as the FBI choppers are inbound. Uh, very cool scene, seeing the, uh, the, the choppers come in. Uh, John eventually gets a chain around Carl's neck and hangs him from the ceiling, which is awesome. Now, McLean finds the hostages on the roof and finds out that Holly has been kidnapped by Gruber. Um, McLean starts shooting into the air to get the hostages to listen to him because <laughs> they're all kind of freaked out. I love that. <laughs> yeah. I love but that. the FBI thinks he's one of the goons <laughs> and opens fire. Uh from the, from the gunships. So there's a big, 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 big goof in the scene where Carl gets strung up by the chain. Um, so after John hangs him, um, he's, he's kind of on the ground in the next shot and he's reaching for his gun on the floor and checks to, uh, to be sure it's loaded, whatever. And you can see in the background is either Alexander Godunov or his stunt double is visibly standing on top of the, you know, the top of the stairs behind John in costume as Carl (laughs) in a black shirt and pants. (laughs) And he's kind of hanging out waiting for the scene to end. (laughs) Speaking of of, of coming back from the dead, uh, Carl does show up again after hanging by his neck with a chain and he could actually draw aim with a firearm. (laughs) So yeah, a okay. <laughs> so maybe that's this is like a that was a foreshadowing. Carl's yeah. coming back. Yeah, doubtful, but anyway. right, not doubtful. One of my favorite it. parts in the film was when they come into the helicopter. Robert Davy, who's Big Johnson. Yeah. Oh, the uh, guy says, from Goonies. The Goonies. Yeah, when he said, yes. when he says, yeah, just like fucking Saigon. Yeah, he's I like, know. And oh my god, that like, was awful. And Little Johnson, who's who's in the front of the helicopter, goes, yeah. I was a junior high dickhead. Yeah. Dickhead, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That is great. Shout yeah, out for Robert that. Davey. He's played yeah. some grade A assholes. Oh, amazing. And um, villains. So there yeah. you go. That's the second shout out tonight. We got to go for yeah. a hat trick later. Yes, man. So McLean decides to repel from the roof on a fire hose uh, just as Hans blows the roof up. And he makes it back inside a very tense scene, shoots out a window and manages to swing himself inside, uh, on the fire hose. Uh, and then everything starts blowing up (laughs) the building, the choppers is just a real spectacular scene of explosions and, and what, and whatnot. And some really lazy writing. I thought too, because Robinson, now you might like this line. I didn't, uh, Robinson says, uh, we're going to need more FBI guys, I guess. Oh, that was, that, <laughs> that was, was just, bad. That was terrible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, stupid. Anyway, 
nitpick. It worked, but still, it, okay. It <laughs> See, it worked. <laughs> so Guy was an Argon. asshole, right? He was an asshole, but that's, he was that's an asshole. He was it just seemed unbelievable. Uh, <laughs> fair. Yeah. So we got the Argyle, who's still in the parking garage, trying to get out, and he sees an ambulance drive out of the courier truck that Hans and the goons showed up in initially. Um, McLean, uh, cut back to McLean, and he's close enough to Holly that he can hear her yelling. Uh, he checks his ammo, and he only has two pistol rounds left. Goof. There's a goof here. Um, there's no ambulance in the truck when the when they first arrive. <laughs> they oh, uh, they show a very clear scene of them backing into the loading dock, and they throw the door up, and and uh, you know Hans and all the goons come out of the van or the big truck. There's no ambulance in the back of that truck. <laughs> that was, apparently it was acknowledged by the filmmakers. Yeah, they actually said, "Yeah, yeah oops, <laughs> fucked up, we freaked up." Yep. So Argyle rams uh, Theo, who's driving the ambulance, and he falls out, <laughs> and Argyle punches shit, <laughs> punches him in the mouth. <laughs> yeah, F- fucking yeah. McMaster's gets a shot right in the lip from fucking Matlock. Yeah, pop. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, McLean confronts Hans, who's holding Holly hostage. So this, we're getting down to the end of it here now. This is kind of the, uh, the climax of the movie. Uh, we see Huey Lewis again. He's with, um, he's with Hans and he spies a machine gun on a cart and he pulls it. Um, and Hans tells him that McLean, he tell Hans basically tells him, yeah, no, McLean is his. He don't kill him. So Hans says the yippee Kaye line, and they all have a laugh, uh, which is a, a funny scene, I thought. Like, you, you obviously a ruse, but it was funny to see that you know, they're all kind of laughing, and Holly was looking at them like they're all crazy. Uh, but then we see that John has a pistol that's taped to his back, and he has his arms over his head, and he, can, he has a pistol up on it, the kind of nape of his neck type thing. It's Christmas tape, too. It says Happy Holidays on it. See? Right. Yet another reason why it's <laughs> fucking Christmas. <laughs> Yeah. Damn right. See? And so he pulls the pistol. He shoots Hans and Huey Lewis with the two rounds that he has left, kind of Deadpool style. <laughs> and yep. uh, he, he has an unlimited amount of bullets and pulls it off. And then we get the very, very iconic scene of Rickman falling out the window. Um, but he holds on to Holly's wrist all of a sudden. Oh, hold yes. On. Ooh, I know. It's awesome. Hey. Okay. So, when we talked about movies who introduced stuff that seemed, ah, it's yeah, whatever, fucking cool. Was, we didn't need that. Yeah. Can you remember when Douchebag was in the office when McLean first walks in? He's telling Holly to, t- to show him the new show him the new watch that she was given, the new Rolex. Mm-hmm. Comes yep. into play. That's why. So, yep. there you go. That also leads to a bit of a goof. Uh, yes. Some some eagle-eyed dude. I didn't know anything about it, but apparently a Rolex wristband doesn't open like it does. It's not snap. <laughs> yeah. Nope. Oh, my God. Yeah. I'm never watching this movie again. Then. It's nitpicky, man. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, see, so, so let me, yeah. let, me uh, let me move past that and re- retrain your thoughts. So yippee Yeah. you just said he said the line which yeah. obviously has been iconic. 
You remember when he introduced himself as Roy and he talks about, I'm a big fan of Roy Rogers early in the movie? Yes. That Yippie Kaye, that's actually Roy Rogers um, from back in the day. His catchphrase was Yippie Kaye, kids. You got it. And you got it. obviously with Bruce Willis, Yippie Kaye, motherfucker. Yeah. It's a now, great line. I'll fight a fucker over it. It's such a great line. It, it's, it's, it carried on into the other movies. Now, Here's a question for you. Apparently, this role was offered to Stallone hmm. and Schwarzenegger. Makes sense. Oh, really? At the time, Stallone was doing Rambo 3, right? which obviously was a massive movie. Yep. And Schwarzenegger was doing Red Heat, which Duke. was supposed to be oh, a God. big release at the same time. Yeah. Isn't that Looking with Jim Belushi? Yes, it is. Where he's a, a Russian mobster and he comes over, you know, he's in, in the Russian. He's Russian mob, cop. Russian cop. And he's investigating, I believe, the Russian mob, etc. It's not yep. too bad. I've watched it a couple of times, but um, it's not one of the ones that I sit down and go, oh, I want to watch a Schwarzenegger movie. No, I can't no. see Schwarzenegger or Stallone pulling this off. If they, if it's not Bruce Willis, if it's one of those guys, yeah, Die Hard becomes fucking Hudson Hawk. Sorry, I think you need the you need the family man like you do. Bruce right? Willis I was just thinking that Blake everyday yeah. man, yeah. Good call. You need the everyman, and that's what yeah. Bruce Willis brought here. Not muscle yeah. bound, just no. fucking. You know what? Having right. darts. Yeah. Fucking cursing and swearing. Not more hope, believable you know. as a New York cop. Oh Absolutely. shit! Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. Can you imagine? Oh. Even the way he <laughs> says, <Gruber. laughs> just the way he says certain words like. You know, asshole. You say, you know what, asshole. You know, he has the asshole yeah, yeah, kind of thing. Yeah, you know yeah, that that New York yeah. twang, and it's it's fantastic. He just plays it perfect. Yippee ki yay, motherfucker! So uh, McLean undoes Holly's watch goofily. <laughs> shouldn't have done that, but that causes Hans to fall famously from Nakatomi Plaza. And just the look. There's something in the look of disbelief on Rickman's face in the eyes when he's falling. Agreed. Amazing. Just amazing yep. uh, acting. You know, you, you wonder what direction he was given. Like, okay, you're f- falling and you're surprised. We talked <laughs> about know. that a few pods ago. We talked about um, how some actors can act without saying anything. Yeah. And you're, you're bang on. Christian Bale did it in. Oh, yeah. Um. Oh shit! Uh, Empire of the Sun. Yeah, there's a lot of things that he did in that movie where he didn't speak. Yeah, it was just a look on his face. And as a 12 year old, then again, you go back. I, I listened to that pod a couple of times, and those are they're fucking masters at their craft, man. Yep. Even at a yep. young age, and Rickman, you're bang on. He did it there because yep. you're watching. You're not looking anywhere else, but you're looking at his face, and you're you're you can almost feel. God damn. I'm dying. I'm yeah. dead. I'm toast. Game's up. Right? Yeah. And everything I planned is gone to shit. Toast. You know? Right. Yeah. yeah. And I'm the smart one here. Right. I'm supposed to be the smart guy. So uh, we see papers fluttering from the sky like snowflakes as McLean and Carl Winslow meet outside the building. Uh, Robinson shows up demanding a debrief from McLean like a dickhead. <laughs> <laughs> yep <laughs> and and then we've got the back from the dead carl shows up out of nowhere only to get waxed 
that Carl motherfucking Winslow shoots him. So that was the never pick up again, gun again type thing. He picked it up and shot Carl in the head. And then Argyle shows up finally <laughs> in the limo out <laughs> of being freeing himself in the parking garage. Um, and then Thornburg arrives, the reporter, and promptly gets punched in the mouth by Holly. Can we not awesome. talk about Argyle's limo? He fucking T-bones an ambulance, and then he comes right? blown out through a fucking security gate, and <laughs> shit is ready. You, <laughs> he's ready to pick up his next customer. The yeah, car is on touch. I'm like, <laughs> I know cars were built different in the '80s, right? They were built of fucking steel and shit. But holy Christ. Yeah, he almost tears the front end off that car when he rams the the, the ambulance, and he shows up and is all fucking pristine. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just ready for the boys to turn on the fucking back wheels, like, boom, 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 boom. like right. the old fucking. Yeah. Well, his boss apparently thinks he's halfway to Vegas early in the uh, night, so he's going right. to have some explaining to do. Yeah. Absolutely. So our our hero rides off into the sunset <laughs> in Argyle's limo. Uh, as Let It Snow plays, uh, the McLeans drive away from Nakatomi Plaza. Credits. Die hard. Oh, the weather outside is frightful. Amazing. Yeah. So there you have it. Die Hard. Christmas movie. I'm convinced. Uh, you've swayed me to the dark side. I see that there's no room for argument here. Die Hard is absolutely a Christmas movie. Yes, we did it. Yep. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Shout out to Vaughn Monroe for singing that beautiful version of Let It Snow. Oh, is that right? Uh, shout out to, uh, well, John McTiernan, the director, um, director of The Hunt for Red October, Predator. Um, I have to mention The Last Action Hero, but that's more of an exception to prove the rule that he makes good right. movies. <laughs> yeah. So there you have it. Final thoughts on Die Hard, fellas? You know what, man? After Yippee all these years, Kaye, yippee <laughs> Kaye and happy fucking holidays. Yes. Merry man. Christmas. <laughs> happy fucking Hanukkah. Holy shit, where's the Tylenol? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so if you want to discuss if uh, Die Hard is your favorite Christmas movie or if you think that we're all full of shit about Die Hard being a Christmas movie, uh, we would love to hear from you. Uh, please send us an email at videonightpod at gmail.com. Uh, send us a message on Facebook, if you like, at videonightpod, and uh, on Twitter as well, at videonightpod. Uh, we're very easy to find. We'd love to hear from you. And if you have any suggestions for future episodes, please send them along. We're uh, always open to uh, discussing what you'd like to hear, and uh, I think that'll make for a better pod, better, more interactive experience for all. Well, Merry Christmas, everybody. And until next time, my name is Jerry. Merry Christmas. I'm Blake. And Merry fucking Christmas. I'm Al Powell Jr. (laughs) (laughs) And we'll say Merry Christmas for Robin and Kevin as well. They couldn't be here tonight. So Merry Christmas from them. And until next time, be kind and please rewind.